What's going on, guys? I'm your host, Aaron Lloyd, and this is episode 63 of The Creation Ground. 63. Before I get into our next spectacular, magnificent guests, I want to encourage you, yes, you, to like, share, subscribe, tell people about the podcast. They'll be enlightened, educated, motivated, inspired, and all of that. Chances are that you've seen my next guest's work somewhere. If you've seen Harry Potter, Jurassic World, Jungle Book, the most recent Jungle Book, the most recent Lion King, Iron Man 3, Tron, and the list goes on. You've seen their work. They are in VFX. They do animation, general VFX, and they also teach artists how to get into that space as well. And in this episode, they talk about how the world of filmmaking is evolving and how they're kind of on the cutting edge pioneering aspect of that. Um, They teach classes to help animators and filmmakers and even actors utilize this space because it's a space that is um, influencing not just the filmmaking industry, but fashion and architecture and things like that. In this episode, we cover a lot. They talk about how they got interested into that space in the first place, um, what they wish audiences appreciated more. They talk about how if you are interested in the space, how you can get involved and the resources to do so. Um, and a lot, lot more. This episode's really enlightening. I enjoyed it. Um, they talk about their experiences on the, uh, on the films I just mentioned and much, much more. Enjoy this episode with Jackie and Ed. Welcome to another episode of the Creation Grounds. I have some animators on here, Jackie and Ed. They're fantastically blessed and talented at what they do. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Good to be here. Sure. So you guys are animators. What's your favorite animated character from the past or present of all time, each respectively? Good question. Well, I would probably firstly say more specifically that we're visual effects artists um you know animation being a part of what we do but yeah jackie's a digital compositor and i'm a cg generalist um cg supervisor so on top of that to answer your question what are our favorite animated characters of all time i know for me it's probably something slightly more obscure like the dinosaurs in jurassic park because that's what started my whole love of computer graphics not really characters so, uh, but Jackie probably has I don't know I, well I mean I was really into the X-Men like the cartoon X-Men um and I used to watch them all the time and and I was always really into Storm um I just thought she's kind of awesome you said it's a visual effects artist and animator what are the two distinguishment what's the distinguishment between the two well yeah good question um so I guess an, an animator to us would be somebody who's spends most of their day making, bringing characters to life. They may not actually make the character in the first place. That might be a a character artist that that does that. But uh, it depends on whether you're talking about 2D animation or 3D animation. 2D animators traditionally would draw frame after frame. So they would make the character and and bring it to life at the same time. And in, in our world, they're usually two different people. Somebody would make the character and an animator would actually be more akin to an actor really you know an animator is possesses the characteristics of, a, of an actor as well as having the technical skill to be able to implement the motion they're also thinking like an actor and behaving 
like an actor, they often pre-act their scenes. They'll, they'll actually get in front of a camera and act out a scene, film themselves, and then go in and uh, replicate that uh, that motion. But they're, they're really kind of thinking like an actor. No, that's, that'd be my two cents. Yeah, no, I mean, it, for me, it's, it's, they make it move and they give it, they give it life. And so it's one aspect of the pipeline, I guess I would say. Um, and not every shot that you do for the movies needs an animator. Sometimes, um, it, you know, like for Storm, for instance, a lot of the lightning stuff wouldn't necessarily have an animator at all. It would be, um, it might even be hand-drawn lightning and that would be something that I would probably be taking on. So, uh, you know, it, it's just sort of one modality inside of the bigger wrapper of being visual effects. That's nice. So we would animate things, but what I would class as an animator is somebody who would kind of sit there doing doing that particular part of it all day, whereas we might be you know, building a, an environment or compositing a character with a live action background. And as Jackie said, adding some elements to it. There's a, there's a lot of different pieces to it. And animation is, is a, it's a specialism. I, I animate, Jackie animates, but we're, uh, we do other, other stuff probably more than we do that. Nice. And how did you guys both get into that field? Like, where did that, that interest come from? When I came to Los Angeles, I was one of those sort of starstruck girls that I, I wanted to get into the film industry. And um, I originally was going to do production. And unfortunately, I just wasn't strong enough to like, I really wanted to be a director of photography, but I knew I wasn't strong enough to carry all the cameras around. So I actually... Um, snuck into a visual effects house and I was um and I interviewed for a job there and uh I, I went up to a woman who was a really kind woman and I and I said do you have any internships available and I worked six months for free um she had all these sales packages for the visual effects house and I was going to Disney and I was going all over um and dropping off sort of care packages and at the same time, after I was done with my day job in the evening, I was working on learning a bunch of programs. And so, yeah, that's how I started. Yeah, I, I uh, so Jackie had the kind of Steven Spielberg entrance to filmmaking. She broke into the studio. Um, I, I had a kind of weird circuitous route, I guess. I, I got interested in computer graphics when I was a kid and I started tinkering around with my friends computers at Commodore 64s and stuff like that but then I got really more into the 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 programming side of things and I became a programmer I became a software engineer um which is not really what I, it, it was what I wanted to be doing but really what I really wanted to be doing was um digital animation on 3D 3D graphics I wanted to make dinosaurs in the movies um, so it happened a little later for me and I retrained after having been a software architect for about six years and uh, retrained and then pushed, pushed myself through, you know, took a, took a year out of parties and seeing friends and, and really put, got my head down and, uh, and pushed through into, into the industry. It took, took me a little while, but um, yeah, similar stuff to Jackie, I guess, at the beginning of volunteering and doing all kinds of stuff for free and just up upskilling and uh yeah there's there's so many parts to it but just yeah lot, lots of grind lots of hustle lots of enjoying every minute of it but yeah certainly lots of stuff for free and voluntary work and all all kinds of things what any anything that had computer graphics attached to it i would be there i i just tried to do everything i could in the beginning 
I love that. And I believe that you had worked on Jurassic Park. Eventually, that became a reality for you. Is that is that true? We both did actually. Jurassic World. Yeah, we we both got to work on that movie, which was incredible. You know, from many perspectives, getting to work together. You know, as husband and wife and, and best friends. You know, we, it was super cool to be there and be able to be there together. Um, and also, yeah, definitely a childhood dream of mine to, to work on on that franchise um, and I also you know working at Industrial Light and Magic I think is probably most on mo most people's bucket lists who are, understand the visual effects and CG industry um, so having all of that together and they you know they got us a really cool place to stay in San Francisco I'd always wanted to live in San Francisco too it was it was multiple childhood dreams come true for me um, so yeah I couldn't believe it personally i love that yeah and i think that for one congrats on that I, I love hearing stories like that where people dream of this for so long and then it actually happens <clears throat> and i was watching um the, the movies that made us and i realized just how much detail went into creating the dinosaurs for the first one and where we are now so as a visual effects artist you're, you're creating these environments you're creating just they look so lifelike how do you think that you you guys view the world differently than everybody else? Are you guys looking for very specific details? You see a piece of grass on the floor. Do you like? How is it different for you from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, we can't really get down the street successfully because we're just there uh, analyzing everything. We can't get out the front door. For uh, no, I mean, I think Jack, Jackie, you say the, the probably more sensible answer to that. Well, I think when when we go around. I, I noticed yesterday we went to Starbucks to get a cup of coffee and I was sort of glanced out the window and was noticing the dappled light on the ground on the sidewalk and was just staring at it for a minute or two. And I think, you know, sometimes just visual stuff sort of um, captures us and we'll mention it to each other. And um, yeah, it's, I think every movie we watch, I, I think we can't help, um, but if, especially if it has visual effects to kind of be analyzing it with our artist's eye. But, um, you know, there's good and bad to it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's a very enjoyable thing to see it from that perspective, I think. Yeah, I think, it, I think being an, an artist, um, you naturally are more analytical because you, you, as a visual artist, you, you're, you're always looking for reference, you're always, uh, but yeah, so basically what artists do is to, to look at the world and and analyze it, whether you're, depending on what type of artist you are, I think it depends what, what things you're noticing in things. So going back to this idea of animation, I know an animator that specializes in animation would be seeing, watching people walking past and looking at their gait and, and analyzing their motion, uh, whereas a a texture artist might be looking at the textures on them. Lighting artists might be looking at the the light and how that's playing over them. It it really depends what you're kind of zoned in on. I've definitely noticed doing generalism that depends what I'm doing at the time. Like it can get really weird sometimes if you're doing something quite quite abstract over and over again. You can kind of start seeing the world in in that um, like in dots. You know, it, it's it. It can be it can be a little odd, I find, if you especially if you're doing that 
really intensely for a long period of time. I go, I used to be in, in work in Soho for years. Um, that's actually where we met in London, in Soho. There's like this little kind of Harry Potter bubble of a few streets where the, all the visual effects houses are. And um, I would be doing intense kind of UV mapping or modeling and seeing the world in dots and lines. And then I walk out and my brain's still seeing it in that way. And it's really hard for it to kind of shut that off. So I, I don't know, go, you go through these intense phases of really overanalyzing the world and it, and it can become kind of annoying in a way. And then sort of backing off from that and trying the, the, the times I think where I watch a movie that comes up that makes me forget about the visual effects in it is when I know it's in, an incredible movie or when I'm not doing too much work or one or the other. Or like when it when they make it, when they make you forget about it and it disappears, I think that's when it's the best. What what's a typical day like as an actor, I understand you come to rehearsal, you do that. I'm just there's so many components that create a film. And like the visual effects, like for Marvel, you guys have worked on some of that as well. And from my understanding, it's like years in advance of planning and getting that done to get to the final product. What's a typical day like in creating that for you guys? Well, I think if we're working for other people, um, it really depends on what we've been hired for. Normally, I'm, I'm a little bit more of a specialist than Ed is. So normally I come in for compositing, which means that a lot of the work has been done for me already. Although occasionally I'll be doing post-viz, which is sort of taking um, some very loose um, backgrounds and um, some green screen foregrounds and I'll key it and put it on top and try and um, help them visualize maybe, um, you know, where the green screen people are going to be inside of the shot and helping them with framing and that kind of stuff and making sure the handles work and the edit works and that kind of stuff. But normally I'm putting together final, final shots. And so what will happen is I'll be, I'll be keying out the green or the blue, and then I'll be um, putting like potentially a CG background and I'll be adding shadows and I'll be, and so I'll be doing that sort of for maybe a, you know, on a film, I might have five to 10 shots at a time that I'm working on uh, over maybe a period of six months. And so I'll be um, uh, just kind of like do one, uh, render it, give it to my supervisor, get notes on it. And then, you know, while I'm waiting on notes, I start on the next one. And so for me, it's, it's a bit like that. And uh but for edits, it just depends on what they've hired him for, because as a generalist, he's done all kinds of different things. So, yeah, and uh, being being a a CG three D generalist, there <clears throat> there almost there definitely isn't a really a particularly typical day. But um, and it depends 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 what you're doing that day. You probably break down a project into. A bunch of tasks you might give all those tasks to different people if you're a supervisor you might spend a bit more time working with people and QCing things and helping troubleshoot things and problem solve so that's a lot of what I've been doing the last 10 years um being on the box a bit no do actually doing actual work um it just depends which piece you're jumping in to do um but uh yeah work as Jackie said if you're working for a client or studio, you would usually be given a, a set of tasks. You you probably know what you were going to do the next day. You you would um, be focusing on the modeling of something, or if you, 
it, it depends on the scale too, you know, is they going from small studios to big studios. As a generalist in a small studio, you might be, you might do an entire shot yourself, you might do all the modeling, rigging, animation, texturing, lighting, that's, that's feasible in a small, more commercials kind of environment. Um, bigger studios, there's a lot the higher standard and lots more work to do. So there's more of a like a specialism kind of approach. So you might more likely to be doing the same type of thing uh, every day in, in the world of movies, although it is changing a little bit. And then there's virtual productions coming in. We're going through a kind of a revolution in filmmaking at the moment um, that is bringing more generalists into the world of filmmaking as a result of that. It's kind of bringing a bit more of the, the philosophy of generalism in, into the movie making and bringing the film making side closer to the visual effects side. So there's a lot of change going on at the moment as well, without going too far down the rabbit hole. And what do you, what uh, do you wish that audiences kind of appreciated more about all the intensive work that you guys do? Well, I think um, as, um, I'm gonna go down the rabbit hole maybe just a little bit more. So I, I wanna talk a little bit about virtual production because I think um, discussing this revolution that's happening right now, I think it's gonna be affecting everyone from actors to productions to everything. And so I think um, understanding that LED walls are coming and that um, you know instead of acting in front of a green screen or blue screen, you'll, you'll a lot of the times be acting in front of you know, a big LED wall or, um, or a volume. And the reason for that is because a lot of times there'll be, for instance, there'll be productions where it doesn't exist, like you're on the moon and it, it doesn't make sense to, you know, like you're gonna, instead of having it green screen or blue screen, you just, you make the moon and then you run it on a game engine directly in onto the LED wall. And then you're acting in front of it and you're getting the lighting that you've created from the moon atmosphere. And you're getting, um, you know, like everything just looks more correct than if you're, and, and a lot, um, it's a lot faster to get to that result. Um, and so that to me is really exciting. And then the other thing that's really exciting about this is that um, there's a lot of pre-made assets that you can access for free and the game engine itself is free. So when you upload Unreal Engine and then you get mega scans, individuals can actually start telling their own stories and making their own art. And that is the revolution that's happening right now is that people are um, coming and taking our classes who are maybe just artists, like straight up artists that, but they've never done 3D in their life, but they're able to create these like beautiful after eight weeks, um, they're able to create these beautiful two, three minute projects. And, you know, that, that accessibility hasn't really existed um, before. I love it. So has what we've been covering kind of like predated and archaic, it seems like it's going in a different, like the LED and there's like, um, is is the Unreal Engine a new technology that is now going to shift the industry as a whole? So it's not really a new technology, I would say, but it is um, the, sort of the software and the hardware are getting good enough to the point where it is going to start. Um, it is going to start changing the way that filmmaking is done as a whole. And so we're sort of it's an emerging technology now that that is going to be displacing a lot of the current pipelines. And um, yeah, Ed, do you want to sort of take over on that thought? Sure. Yeah. I mean, as Jackie said, it's 
it's it's all like improvements on stuff that's been around for a very long time in some ways you know the the idea of rear projection has been around going back to 1930s that that idea of putting actors in front of a a artificial background you know going back that far to the 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 genesis of of that idea actually projecting something's been filmed through a projector onto a screen behind people that are in a car or walking along or whatever they're they're you're not have they didn't have visual effects back then so mm-hmm. they kind of needed to do it as practically as that um and then visual effects came in and green screens were very uh useful being able to get the the foreground off the background and then do all of the background and cg and put everything together but it kind of misses the the immersion part of it i think it's and, and then as we've reintroduced the ability to use um, ability to use game engines is really helping take that rear projection idea and make it dynamic. Where with rear projection in the 1930s, um, it was completely fixed. You was playing. You couldn't do anything to it. You couldn't move the camera. You couldn't get any parallax in the background. But now, now you can load in uh, dynamic world into that background so you can actually move the camera now and change things in the background you can you you, you have so much more control over that that it was really a very old idea but the new thing that's happened now as jackie said is that it's a confluence of the hardware and software um being capable of starting to do these things and a few movies have been very key in waking that up and then um no going going from that sort of avatar using virtual cameras and and um simulcam going through jungle book and lion king which i i had the good fortune to work on um you worked on lion king or the jungle book or both both yeah oh wow i didn't know that yeah it was cool it was you know it felt like a this weird sidestep and a lot of people i think at the time didn't really they understood previs but um, this was a new type of previous and it felt quite exciting, but also a bit of a risk at the time. You know, is this, is this going to be something that's going to put my career on, on pause for a bit whilst they go and you know, play with, with this experiment? Um, and it turned out that uh, that led into Lion King and then Epic Games got really interested at the end of Lion King and um, really took on the development of the tool set in the Unreal Engine and used the Mandalorian to really you know, dig that in and, and production test it and implement it. Um, that, uh, yeah, that whole kind of progression through a number of years and several projects is, is really what's kind of made the world, like the Mandalorian is what made the world aware of it. Even with going back to Jungle Book and Lion King, it was all kind of being done then in, in uh, you know, the state that it was in, in, in unity at, at that point. Um, but the Mandalorian was really what kind of woke people up in the world to it. I think is the, the addition of the, the LED wall and being able to actually immerse the the set visibly while you're on set into the into that world um, was the kind of extra icing on the cake. In that we didn't have that, and Lion King didn't have any live action in it. Jungle Book did have live action in it, so we were doing um, simulcam, and uh, it was a lot of blue screen. Um, so 
yeah, the, 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 it's still evolving, you know, it's still finding itself. I think as Jackie said um, really well, it's now also because of Epic Games, having so much faith in it, putting so much work into it and allowing their product out for free, it's just meant the whole world has got excited about this and the you know, development's gone even faster because of that. More people are interested in it. It's accessible to everybody where one, when we were doing it on Lion King, it was only accessible to people in that warehouse making the Lion King. Um, and at the end of the movie, that all disappeared, all tools disappeared. Now we're, we're getting to see the improvements all the time and, and the world can play with it. So it's a really cool time. That's incredible. We're getting kinds of studios and um, some of the head artists from studios coming and taking our class because everybody, you know, wants to sort of understand this new technology and, and um, see where it's see, see where it's going to go. So it seems like this technology is like you, you guys are kind of pioneering or this 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 idea is kind of like a pioneer. It's going to be what Jurassic Park was the filmmaking back then for now going forward it seems like yeah it's definitely one of those moments where I mean that was a huge one I still watched Jurassic I watched it the other day um, I still love watching that movie because you know all those years later it still holds up um, but that, yeah that was taking uh, such a massive step forwards in filmmaking that people kind of couldn't believe what they were looking at and I, I think that some of the other movies, like you know, Avatar is another one which really opened people's eyes. Even though it was building on top of what had been seen before, it was it really took it to another level. This um, new technology is is another moment. Like, yeah, I get, I guess you could say like that. You know, especially when you're working in it, it really it really is changing the the workflow. I mean, I think what what the customer what the the viewer sees at the end of the day is is important and and to your previous question about what what do we hope people would appreciate more about the process like i kind of people i kind of hope that the viewer um doesn't think about that at all while they're watching it you know that's my my hope for the viewer but as far as what's what's happening in production it's it's just changing every every aspect from going through pre-production story and development all the way through to actual production and post-production it's this this set of technologies is changing the workflow in in every aspect every part of the pipeline and and if, i think watching people know now we run this school and are teaching people from beginner level or intermediate level people who've got no experience in filmmaking whatsoever or people have been in it for 40 years and have been on you know some of these pioneering projects that we're talking about um everybody is everyone's kind of back to square one again it's really lovely how it's kind of leveling the playing field and everyone's become more collaborative as a result because everybody needs to learn from each other again there's no kind of siloing of of skill sets it really has opened up the conversation a lot more um, so it's yeah, it is it is a definitely a revolutionary moment. It's really significant in changing the way things are done. I love that. And you guys have um, a startup you mentioned where you're you're kind of helping people who are interested in that field come into that. Prior to getting into that, you 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 dropped two major movies movies and you've worked on Iron Man, Jurassic Park, and then Jungle Book and Lion King. What 
what was it's it's just we have to talk about that those are big deals right what was your favorite part of um we don't have time for going through all of them but what was your favorite element of working or piece of working on some of those movies yeah um well i mean jurassic world stands out like i already mentioned immediately it was it was my childhood dream when i was 15 or 14 to to do that you no know, to 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 even just be in the building you know I, I bought the making of books when i was a kid and i pulled through them and looked at all the people involved in the studio and and to end up walking through the doors of that kind of museum of visual effects and filmmaking was incredible. We were like standing at, uh, at the elevator next to Dennis Murren, who was in that book I read when I was a kid. Like to, to be in the same playing field was an incredible experience. Uh, just, I don't know, I, as a human being, <laughs> even more than uh, you know, the specifics of the work. It was just incredible for me to feel like I I made it there, you know, like that that was 25 years or whatever it is, 23 years uh, of going from that point of dreaming to actually being able to do something. Uh, it was a long, a long journey and just to actually be there at all was like an, an incredible sense of achievement and accomplishment and thinking like, wow, I wonder what else is possible kind of stuff is that, that was a, a huge one to me. There's a bunch of other things that I could talk about um, of moments of doing actual work. And certainly, um, no, Lion King was, and Jungle Book too, were, were moments of, of being part of something which was very new and different and very edgy and, and pioneering and, and uncertain and probably like it felt being on on Jurassic Park in the beginning that nobody really knew what they were doing it was an experiment that was proven in pre-production you know they, they didn't even know whilst they were making the movie that they were going to do it that way and then found out as they were doing it so some of those experiences um, in virtual production have been been really cool in that way of just you know being, being part of something where you know it's you're, you're kind of changing the way that things are done whilst you're doing your job. Um, Jackie, you, you've been doing this even longer than me. <laughs> well, um, I was thinking the other day, like, um, you know, what? actually one of my favorite parts that I worked on on Iron Man ended up getting cut, but I'm kind of okay with that because I got to work on it for a really long time, but I was working on the opening sequence for Iron Man and um, they basically had an alt take that ended up taking over um, just for story reasons, but getting to work on Iron Man flying down from the sky and landing in the snow um, was, was really cool and fun. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess on a number of the films I've worked on, I have sort of like my favorite shots, like on Harry Potter, um, on the last um, movie that I was working on, um, when uh, when the snake gets killed and all of the faces come out, um, I got to work on like all of the faces coming out of the smoke and I got to composite that shot, which was sort of my favorite moment in the Harry Potter um film which is during that time was when I met Ed actually um so yeah I mean I guess there's just all of these sort of 
you know, or like on Jurassic World, Ed and I both worked on the end, the final um, dinosaur sequence. And um, it was cool. I was compositing it and Ed was working on like the muscle um, simulation system for the dinosaurs. And so, um, yeah, we were both working on the same sequence, but in different parts. So that's incredible. You talked about, um, you know, Tron as well being a, a really cool moment getting to work on on the thing, the, the, the teaser, the green. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. Um, for, for Tron, um, before it got greenlit by Disney, they actually wanted to test and see whether that it had a good fan base. And so it went to Comic-Con twice. One of them, the first time was just to see whether people would be interested in it. And then the second time it was done in stereo to see if people would be interested in it in stereo. And I got to work on both of them. And it was it was really cool to watch the evolution from the very beginning, all the way to you know being working on a film for nine months. So it was, that was a, a really fun project. So how does one, because this is all new information to me, I, I know it exists within this, but like getting a, a deep dive on in terms of like the mechanics and just the artistry of this is new to me. If there's some listeners that are interested in becoming visual effects artists or animators or want to do what you guys do, how would they get started? And then talk a little bit about what you guys have um, created to help people get started. Sure. Um, yeah, so um, I get that question a lot. Um, how how do you how do you get started? And the first place I go to is asking people what what do you like doing the most? What do you want to do the most? Because I think a lot of people um, like those memes with five squares saying this is what my mum thinks I do. This is what uh, society <laughs> thinks I do. This is what I actually do. You know. The, the equivalent of that in visual effects is like yours. Well, now most people are sitting at home, but you know, before that, you're sitting in a in a corner of a warehouse somewhere in front of a computer. <laughs> like it's definitely not like running around the red carpet with uh, George Clooney or uh, I don't know whoever is. I'm so out of touch with uh, <laughs> popular culture. It's like that we work in it. We like don't have enough time to actually watch stuff. Anyway, sorry the. Um, so I would figure out what it is you love to do um, first, because the reality of doing it is that it's you know, like like anything else is, has, uh, it's a lot more mundane than it may appear. Um, it's very exciting. And if you love doing it, it can be the best, best thing in the world. But it's very important to figure out first what you what you enjoy. And the only way to do that is just have a go, get, get stuck in, try stuff out. Like you're going to end up doing this stuff a lot and sometimes under pressure and sometimes long hours and you know that that's that can feel horrible if you're not into it and it can feel wonderful if you're already into it so it's, it's important to kind of test the water and play play with it first and i think this is a best time ever to be able to do that you know, using tools like blender and unreal uh which are free and having the internet full of all this incredible information uh, about how to how to use the tools and how to work in it, there's there's basically no barriers to to entry. You know, you can use a relatively cheap machine wow. and actually get started and start having a go. Um, I would suggest that everybody kind of starts there and has a play with it, and then if you if you get serious with it. Um, I can't recommend, you know, this isn't not just a uh, 
a shameless plug for our school, but I highly recommend getting some sort of education. It's exactly what I did at the beginning. Um, you know, there are people who are self-taught that get in. There's absolutely no reason why you can't do that. For me, it was a speed thing. I, I was teaching myself for years and going very slowly and being having moments where I almost felt like giving up because I didn't know the answers to things. And it was really, really difficult. Um, when I started getting some education from industry professionals, that was the point that it all changed for me. I suddenly became part of a community. I had instant answers to my questions and my, my growth curve just went from this painfully slow, like trying to figure things out, trawling around you know, books at the time. The internet wasn't very big at that point, um, which dates me for sure. But yeah, that, that um, <clears throat> it, once you, You've tried it enough to know that you've, you've got passion, you know, feel that. Check your body when you're, when you're doing it. Does it. Is it something that really lights you up? Is it something that, that uh, makes you excited? If it is, do you want to take it further? I definitely recommend men mentoring. However you put that together, finding somebody from the industry who's you want to do, where you want to do anything in life, figure out what you want to do first. That's the hard part. Then figuring out how you do it, you go, go find someone that's done it. And do exactly what they did and then you should be able to do it too it's not magic at that point you know it really is quite you know just going through the motions in a way the heart that's why i say the hard part is figuring out what it is that you like and the way to do that is experimentation but you know our, our school that we've created is is built for exactly that reason whether somebody's been in the industry for a while or they're just starting out it's designed to help people learn the skills be around other professionals who know what they're talking about and know the real answers to questions as opposed to there's a tremendous amount of free material out there on the internet uh, that's one of the problems now is that there's so much stuff out there and there's, a lot of it is created by people who've not been working at a high level in the industry and they, they may know just about how the systems work but that doesn't mean they know how you use it in production, which is a very different kettle of fish. And it's, especially if you want to punch up to the kind of world-class level, that requires really, really upskilling. It's not just enough to know your way around the, the interface of a piece of software. You have to have all these other skill sets too, you know, understanding production, having a really great eye. Um, all the fundamental stuff is super important. And that, that's what we help people with because people helped us along the way and we're at this point where we've got to do some really cool things and we want to keep doing those cool things but we really want to help give back we really want to help other people have those opportunities and there's no great greater pleasure to me now than to see somebody having gone through one of our programs go out there into the world and have some success with it that's that's the best yeah, one thing I wanted to sort of say was that um, this technology is not only displacing the film industry, although I know that that's kind of what we're talking about, but it's also displacing the fashion industry, um, automotive, all kinds of different architecture, architecture yeah, tech in general. Yeah, it's displacing a lot of different fields. So this isn't um, this isn't only something to be considered for the film industry. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there that. Um, yeah, it's changing creative digital creativity. And for yeah, for within the film industry, um, that 
uh, I don't know um, what types of, of uh, interests your listeners have mainly, but you know, if there's actors in your audience, then this is also really useful to them, understanding the, the nuances of acting for virtual production, which involves mocap and being able to work um, in that environment understanding the, the nuances of that, <laughs> but also being able to you know, do this stuff at home now. You know, an actor can actually set up a small business using virtual production technologies. They can get a very affordable mocap suit at home, remote session with um, a director on the other side of the world who can be telling them what they want and then they're acting it out and it's puppeteering something in, in a character in CG. But they're actually you know, recording that mocap data and sending it across, and that's that's an actual service that they can provide remotely in and in their own homes. Um, so it's something that's really immediately use, useful too. Yeah, and then the other thing I was going to add to what he just said was that um, a lot of actors I feel like are also writers and and directors and and that kind of thing, and being able to pitch your own project and rather than using images and slides you know, you make your pitch as a visual video. And I think it gets the point across a lot better, especially now that you can, for free, you have these digital humans that look amazing that are, you know, you download into the game engine and you can, you know, really get an idea and be able to share your vision in a much sort of cleaner, um, cleaner way. So- um, Yeah, with, without having, what, to go through what we've had to go through of you know decades of of being in studios and understanding how all this stuff works, learning the tools, learning the workflows. Um, now there's this way in where you can be an actor, never or or a filmmaker, never used a three D software in your life, but you can download a metahuman, you can put an environment together, and you can build a a fairly grand looking piece without having to have tons of, of skill set um, building time, you know, years of, of ramp up to that. We, we see people all the time taking eight weeks and a couple months of their life and then at the end of it they've gone from no CG at all to being able to make their own CG film, which is this is the first time that's ever been the case. That's incredible. Um, that makes me excited for the future of just Filmmaking, filmmaking, not only on a large scale, but maybe for a filmmaker who's listening, who who doesn't really have a budget or something like that, that wants to just create, like do a Guillermo del Toro kind of thing. He has the ability, or she has the ability to do that. So that's incredible. What what is the name of your school, and how how do people find find out more about that? Sure, we we are called CG Pro. Uh, our web address is becomecgpro.com. And we also have a couple of other resources. We have a free Facebook group, which we put a lot of content into. Um, that is uh, Become CG Pro uh, on Facebook. Um, we have a, a YouTube channel, which has a lot of content on there, a lot of webinars and free um, learning material. And uh, we also put our, our podcast up there, which we run every two weeks, the CG Pro podcast. Um, and the, we're on Instagram and Twitch now. And 
don't know, Jackie's like the head <laughs> of the marketing department. So yeah, we're, we're expanding on, on different platforms like Twitter and stuff like that. But yeah, mostly, uh, mostly I recommend the Facebook group because you're becoming part of a community and you're able to ask questions and get your questions answered and um, from multiple people in the industry. Cause there's a lot of like the heads of, you know, some of the top leaders in the industry are in our Facebook group now. And so you're able to really um, get your questions answered by lots of really, really talented people. It, you know, not just us. So That's fantastic. Uh, Ed, you had mentioned earlier, like just this journey you went through in terms of just the limiting beliefs um, and something that I want to power, power individuals with too, because you've had a fancy, both you guys have had a fantastic journey. And just sometimes the, the, the downturn, particularly with 2020, people feeling, I love what you said about people being able to be actors, being able to be home, order a mocap thing and offer that service. So that's empowering. But what, what was the biggest limiting belief that you had to get through? You went from dreaming about working on Jurassic Park to really working on Jurassic World. You really kind of manifested your destiny. And then you've gone up from there. So what was the biggest limiting belief that you've gotten over? And then Jackie, for you as well. Sure. Um, goodness, I'm going to take me back there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I remember a time where I was just absolutely crippled with self-doubt and, you know, literally wondering whether I was going to be able to get a job in a, in a supermarket. Like, you know, not let alone going after my big fancy dream of working on Jurassic World. I was, I, I was so lacking in, in confidence in myself that I, I didn't know I didn't even, I wasn't even sure that I would be able to get any kind of half decent job um so I, I really clearly remember that that time where I I just I don't know I didn't did not have any faith almost at all um I think what, what helped me get out of that years of tormenting myself <laughs> um, and having some incredible guides along the way, you know, fortunately, I think as I was going back to this idea of the what rather than the how, um, understanding what it was that I wanted to do was really key in it. And I had that quite early on, but I didn't have any confidence that I'd actually be able to make it happen. So I kind of went down this opposite path of getting a sensible job in software engineering and which turned out not to be that sensible because I graduated right in the dot-com crash. <laughs> there was no jobs. Um, but I did find one, you know, that, that was a great route because it ended up being a good, good skill set as a companion. Um, but I think really just knowing what it was I loved and continuing to explore it and experiment with it and find other people that were interested in it. I became a VJ, so I, um, I had an outlet, which was really important because there was having some way of actually getting it out there and get, making it be real and people seeing stuff. And uh, even though they were confused a lot of the time, thought it was a DJ, like it was still moments where I knew that my work was being, was being watched and enjoyed. And I could, I, it, that really helped making it real, really helped being around others really helped when I wanted to finally really step it up though. I knew I had to get around a better, um a higher level um production skill set group of people so I, I, that that's really where i i went after the school um because I, that's where they were hanging out and I, I tried to go to lots of events and 
meet people but you know my skills were not good enough at that point and getting somebody I did manage to find a couple of mentors before that. You know, my friend Ollie Venning was a, a great encouragement to me in the, the early days and, and getting into the BJing. And um, our friend Ed Cookson was a, uh, a great um, supporter and, and mentor and friend. Um, we, uh, having those guys around me was really, really important to get going. Um, when I wanted to get into production level visual effects, um, I had to go find people that were specifically um, doing that, you know, in, in commercials and, and movies. So just getting around the right people. Once I was, I still felt the doubt. I still feel the, the, the self-doubt today. I don't think there's any real way of getting rid of that entirely. But surrounding yourself with the right people that are going to uplift you and, and help you and challenge you um, and tell you the right things to be doing, tell you what you're doing that's not right, um, but supporting you throughout it. I think that is the most important thing because on our own, you know, as human beings, we don't work that well. I think we need uh, a community around us to make stuff work. So that, that was really, you know, some of the turning points for me, getting from understanding what it was I wanted to do, having just about enough confidence to go explore it, experiment with it, getting around other people who were doing it better than me and and learning from them and having ways to get it out in front of people um and then also working subsequently on personal skills as well as cg skills we've done a, a lot of work in the kind of like personal development area you know going going and doing events and learning and training around things that are not anything to do with film or computer graphics but all, all to do with um, leadership essentially you know leading yourself and then um, being around those communities um, done a lot of work in the Tony Robbins world um, uh, various other groups to really you know push ourselves and go go further and um, all, all of all of it has been really important but yeah I, I remember that 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 kid that sort of depressed faithless kid is, is still very clear in my mind you know it's still there but just building layers on top of it and connections and things to keep staying further and further away from that that kid and moving further towards uh having having more goals setting more goals for yourself all the time that's how to keep growing and keep moving you know keep setting yourself a goal that's a little bit hairy and uncomfortable and uh, and it'll, it'll keep you going Oh, sorry, that was slightly longer than I intended. No, I love that. I think that's gonna gonna help a lot of people. It's great. It's a great journey. Um, so, in my journey, uh, they say necessity is the mother of invention. And after college, uh, my dad was like, "Okay, I paid for your college education. Go get a job." And <laughs> kind of wiped his hands clean of clean of me. And I, um, you know, it was at the time I remember feeling very angry about that, but. Um, when I got this internship, um, I called my dad up and I said, I've got, I've figured out. And, and one of the things I just wanted to add as a little aside was when, when I was watching this VFX demo that they were giving, um, it was actually someone who had worked on Jurassic Park and was showing the dinosaur that they had, um, animated. 
And when I saw that, I was like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. And I didn't know if I could do it, but I just was so passionate about it that I called up my dad and I said, listen, they've offered me an unpaid internship. And I know that you said you weren't going to support me, but I really want to be able to do this. And he, he said he would do it for six months. So he helped me. And after six months, I, I uh, started getting paid there. And I think part of it was definitely necessity and there was passion there. Um, and, uh, you know, after, after I started getting some progress and figuring out what value I could offer, that raised my self-esteem a little bit. And then I started wondering what else I could do. And so it was sort of that self-esteem sort of built on itself over time. I love that. This has been great. I could talk to you guys all day. We're winding down. I ask all my guests this. When you think of the word creative, who comes to mind for you and why? Mm. Well, at this particular moment, um, I would say there's a man named Paul DeBevec who um, I'm like, he is this incredible scientist, actually, but he does a lot of um, creative work and has massively changed the way that the visual effects industry is run. Um, he's just an absolute wizard and someone that I really, really look up to. And uh, even though it's funny, it's technical, but he, he's, his technology advances have changed visual effects and creativity for everybody forever. So I guess I would say him. Yeah, it's really interesting that you mentioned an engineer scientist because in essence, yeah, creativity is is creativity. People always think of it as being art or music or something that's that's in the arts, but but engineering and, and science and innovation are, are the essence of creativity because it is creating something that hasn't been seen before. And it doesn't have to be a painting and yeah I, th I think he's a also uh, a great artist but yes has yeah real real innovator is a really good example um i would definitely be a plus one on on paul for sure and he, he actually lectured at my university back in the day so uh during the while he was working on the matrix um he came and spoke at my school so that, that i remember that clearly as being a big inspiration to me as well and my my journey and yeah i i, I don't know there's, there's so many so many examples of it like i say something cheesy like we have two young children two and four years old and when i look at them they make me understand creativity in a way that i never uh, have before because they're, they're just completely not uh bound by rules you know they they just do what they feel like and that experimentation and willingness to like do something, even though you're looking as a as a parent at them, and go no, don't do that. That's going to break or fall over or whatever it is. They're not bound by rules and they're unafraid to experiment and try things out, which I think is that sort of the essence of the creative people that I I respect the most are people who are, are you know, lot most of us are kind of scared of trying things. For the most part trying new things because we don't want to fail at them um and kids aren't like that you know that's like i definitely put, put our kids in there um and then some other artists you know some grown-ups as well that I, I respect i really love the work of, of alex and allison gray as artists um they they've really gone out way out there with their art form and created some 
really refined expressions today of uh, exploring what it is to be human and be spiritual and, and refine that into a beautiful artwork, you know, but going through the process of, of, of crazy amounts of experimentation and daring and risk. And you no, know, I, I, I'm I so, I have so much admiration for that, for them in, in their journey as artists in the fact, in, in how um, you know, bold and daring that they've been, but how you know it's it's ended up uh, in this beautiful expression through their artwork and through their community they built, and yeah, I would I would definitely put them in there on the sort of more artistic end of what yeah. We're and I would say that it's been an honor to be able to work with them on a number of projects. We've helped them create some NFTs, and we've um, you know worked with them on on a number of projects and it's been it's been amazing to to get to meet people who are just so creative and so open in you know and yeah the visionary art world is really incredible so. yeah working working with your heroes is pretty cool and uh, you know, we're both lucky to have got to to do that um and i definitely recommend it um, <laughs> aspiring to, to work with people that you you love and respect you know there's when you both get to to be on the same page you have to you have to raise your your vibration sometimes to to interact with other people who are really really pushing it in the world you know they expect that but um that's the cool thing about it is you know you you get to see being next to people of that kind of caliber what what do you need to show up as you know what what do you what do you need to bring and it brings the best from you when you're in an environment that's why i think the environment part of it's so so important the people that you're around demand some a certain uh level from you and it you know it's it's how you can get the most growth i think is being around other people who are they're not just you know putting you down to try and make you uh, reach a certain point they're 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 there shining that example for you of um, what's possible. Um, so I think, yeah, being able to connect to, with people um, that you really respect is a, is a fantastic way of trying to grow yourself. I love that. Cool. And you mentioned how to connect with you earlier. Do you guys have, can you drop the Facebook group again, your website for the school and all that? and um we can wrap up so uh the the facebook group is um becoming a cg pro and it's actually become cg pro so facebook oh yeah i see the yeah if you search for if you search for it it's becoming a cg pro but if but the, the hyperlink for it is become cg pro and become cgpro.com is um the actual uh our website and then we also have on instagram it's become cg pro and twitter uh actually i don't know the twitter one right now but um yeah, if you want if you if anyone's interested in um you know connecting i guess the facebook group is the, is the right place to go if anyone's interested in checking out our our classes and courses workshops then become cgpro.com it would be the best place to go. And we're pretty findable on there, you know, we're quite accessible. Feel free, anyone to connect with us and send us a message. Nice. Grateful to have you guys on. You guys are rock stars and we'll talk soon. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, appreciate it.